0: Well, it's not the offseason for Gonzaga yet, but today we look at next year's front court, which could include Texas Tech big man Daz Amak, who has gone portaling once again, as well as the return of Anton Watson. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zag Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics still here in the great state of Nevada, A couple more days here before we get back home and head of selection Sunday taking a look at where the Zags are going to end up. But for the next couple of days, we're going to talk about a few different things today. We're talking about Dawes Amac entering the transfer portal after a very tumultuous season at Texas Tech. We'll get into that, what it means for him. We're going to talk about Anton Watson who's non-committal about whether he is going to return for his fifth season, his final year of eligibility in Spokane or not. And we're going to kind of wrap it all up looking at what that could mean for Gonzaga's front court next season. But let's start with Fardaz Amac. You may remember the news surrounding him last year. He was one of Gonzaga's highest profile targets in the transfer portal. And part of the issue with the portal for Gonzaga last year was they didn't know what was going to happen with Drew Timmy because Drew Timmy did not announce that he was returning to Gonzaga for a fourth and final season until the quite literally last minute in the final hour of time he had to uh, make a decision. He finally tweeted, I'm back. He returned. But and I don't blame Drew for this at all. I want to be very clear about that. Uh, he has takes all the time that he wanted to to make that decision. But it put Gonzaga in a spot where they couldn't. You know, guys like Amax, excuse me, Johnny Broom, who's at Auburn, like they were the top kind of big man transfer portal options. And I, I don't think they were willing to commit to Gonzaga without knowing whether Drew Timmy was going to be there or not. Zags, of course, pivoted, landed Efton Reed, which I think is a fantastic addition and an addition that is going to pay dividends for them down the line. Uh, but now Amac is back. He's back in the transfer portal. Uh, he Again, he had that dominant season at Utah Valley in 21-22. He averaged 19 points, 13.5 rebounds, 2 assists, 1.3 blocks, shot 43.5% from deep. That's why everybody was interested in him. 19 points, 14 rebounds, good passer, decent shot blocker, shoots 40-plus percent from three. What wasn't to love? The Zags were in his final five alongside Texas, alongside the University of Washington, alongside Iowa, and of course, alongside Texas Tech, which is where he ultimately ended up going. He did also consider the NBA draft. Uh, But what happened at Tech, things kind of unraveled for him pretty quickly. He got injured. He suffered a foot injury before the season and wasn't able to play until mid-January. It was reported he might come back in early January, and that caused kind of a a kerfuffle because he wasn't ready to come back. He felt like the team was pressuring him. There were, it was pretty clear that there was some, some strain there reporting at the time that he was going to enter the transfer portal and leave at midseason. That of course did not happen. He did return for tech uh, on the 14th. He played three games, averaged 10 points, 6.7 rebounds in that time. Then he missed a few more weeks Then he came back on the 11th of February rest of the season. He averaged 12 and a half points, nine rebounds, two assists, but he only shot 21% from deep. So when you combine his season numbers about 12 points, about eight boards, 1.7 assists, but 29, excuse me, 28% from deep and just three total blocks in that period of time. After the season, wrapped up for Texas Tech yesterday. and They lost to West Virginia. The team dismissed coach Mark Adams. We're not going to get all the way into that, but if you want to look up some of the stories about Mark Adams, they are insane. It is a good thing that he is no longer the head coach for the Red Raiders, but AMAC entered the portal anyway, and he made it pretty clear that he is not happy with what happened there. His, his statement basically said, because of situations that happened here at Texas Tech, I am going to enter the transfer portal. That was his statement. Now I'm going to read you what he tweeted because I think that tells a little bit more of the picture for AMAC. Here's his tweet, word for word. Funny how they talk crazy when you want to do what's best for you. Rushed back, wasn't supposed to play, played at 60% and taking many different things just to get on the court to play. The injury I had holds out most guys six to eight months to fully recover, played for my brothers. So he's pretty much confirming the story that we kind of heard in January, which is the team pushed him to get back and he played at not full health. He mentions that he was taking... Drugs, assuming legal drugs, obviously, in order to get back onto the court. But he wasn't happy about any of this. And the fact that he announced he's entering the transfer portal after Mark Adams made his statement that he is or after Mark Adams stepped down means this isn't just about the head coach. This is about more than that. It's about the staff in general. There are some issues he had with more than just the head coach there. And he's he didn't want to be there anymore. So. I don't think that this is a character issue for AMAC. I think a lot of people kind of furrow their brow when they see a guy entering the transfer portal after one season at another place, but it's pretty clear to look at what's going on at Texas Tech and see if there's some significant issues there. You can maybe furrow your brow at why he, why he chose to go there in the first place, but again, I think the reasoning for not going to Gonzaga was fairly apparent at the time because of Drew Timmy's uh, indecision. Uh, so I, I don't think there's any real animosity here. I think this is a great fit here and and will Gonzaga be back on his list that's part of the question but one thing we do know for sure is that Drew Timmy made it clear he's gone now there's there is an opening at the center position for the Gonzaga Bulldogs Anton Watson's future is up in the air we'll talk about that in the second segment but regardless Amac could be a really good fit for the Bulldogs regardless of Anton Watson's situation Amac did think about going pro but I don't think he's going to go pro after this season. His numbers weren't great. The injury obviously was was something that that held him back in a significant way. Coming to a place like Gonzaga, where they're, they're going to take care of you from an injury perspective. We know that. You're going to get a chance to play, assuming you're healthy. You're going to play. You're going to be a featured part of the offense. And Gonzaga has turned guys into – they've turned transfers into NBA players with extreme regularity. Look at Brandon Clark. Kyle Witcher had a, a brief stand in the NBA. I mean, he's done it before. Jonathan Williams transferred to Gonzaga, ended up playing in the NBA. Like they have done this with players before. The development system in Spokane is fantastic. And the one even though Amac would probably only be there for one year, I think the growth that he could do in that one season would be tremendous. So I think this is a really, really good fit for Dawes Amac were he wanting to come to Gonzaga. The follow up question to that is whether the Zags would want him. And I think that that is an interesting question that they have to kind of look at because two of the skills that were the most appealing about AMAC when he was at Utah Valley were his, his ability to stretch the floor with his outside shooting and his shot blocking. Neither of those showed up at Texas Tech. Now, if we believe that he was truly at 60%, and I'm guessing that it was 60% seems pretty low, I trust him. And I, I think very clearly he was not at 100%. But how much of his kind of struggles shooting and struggles shot blocking and all that were related to going up from, you know, the level that the, that the Utah Valley is in in the WAC versus the Big 12? It's hard to know. You would expect some regression. He wasn't going to average 19 points and 14 rebounds. Instead, he averaged 12 points and eight and a half rebounds. That's still pretty good. But he played very few games. He was not 100%. It's really hard to know. He blocked three shots. How much of that is related to the foot injury? It's impossible to know. I really don't know. The three-point shooting didn't show up in a significant way. Is that usage at Texas Tech? Is it that he wasn't 100%? Like there's so many different factors that kind of go into that. Rim protection is a huge need for the Zags. If they do pursue the transfer portal to add a big man, and I suspect that they probably will, a big man who can block shots, defend the rim is really impactful. Amac is an incredible rebounder. He averaged almost 10 rebounds per game in the Big 12 at not 100%. That's very, very impressive. That is a huge need for Gonzaga as well. But I would love to get a big who can also protect the rim. And right now, I'm not sold that's AMAC. If the staff gets him in, if they get a look at him, they do. You know, they, they watch more of the tape, kind of evaluate what happened, get a better sense of his injury, and they feel like, yeah, this is a guy who could protect the rim for us, maybe stretch the floor a little bit. I think that he's a really, really nice fit. Well, Anton Watson did not make a definitive statement about his future, and there's some optimism that he's going to return for what would be a very big year uh, in 2023-2024. More on that and his fit with AMAC if he were to come to Spokane after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Maybe you like DeMontis Sabonis to keep putting up huge numbers for Sacramento. Maybe you like Zach Collins in his new role at the Spurs to keep up the high production. Maybe you want to make an exclusive bet like Corey Kispert hitting two threes in his first three minutes of Washington's next game. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, segment two, still any patents, still Locked On Zags. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Make sure you check out our new-ish podcast. We had just finished our first season, the Locked On College Basketball Show. Myself, co-host Isaac Shade of Locked On Tar Heels, five days a week, breaking down all of the bubble stuff, breaking down Jim Beheim leaving at Syracuse, everything that's going on in college sports. We're talking about it on a daily basis. Check us out on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're talking Anton Watson here in the second segment, the man of the hour for the Zags, the snub who did not make the All-WCC first or second team uh, in their rankings, of course, was an honorable mention that was talked about at length by many broadcasters, fans, players, coaches, everybody who had a hand uh, in Anton Watson being who he is, has had an opinion about whether he should have been on the All-WCC team, and he has played incredible since then. But the story for today, is he coming back or not? And that's the question that Theo Lawson of the Spokesman Review asked him. If you guys haven't checked it out, Theo and Anton have a podcast together that they do. It is fantastic. Uh, Drew Timmy and Anton Watson both getting into the podcast game. Always fun to see players kind of reaching out and and doing more and kind of engaging with fans in a different way. And Theo asked him straight up. Props to Theo for that. Kind of said, what's what's your plan? What are you doing for next year? And Watson wasn't committed, which – is totally fair. I, don't, I think that that's the, the answer that everybody would have expected. It doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, man, he is coming back. Uh, it just means that he's not doing what Drew Timmy did and saying, yes, I am. I am out the door. as four years, senior year. I'm done. And there's a lot more compelling reason for Anton Watson to return than Drew Timmy. A lot more. Anton Watson proved in the last few weeks of the season, he proved it throughout the year in a lot of ways, but really towards the end of the year that the offensive game is ready to pop off. And he wasn't getting the full opportunity to do that with Drew Timmy there. Again, not a knock on Drew by any stretch of the imagination, just he wasn't the featured low post scorer. But when he did get the ball, that little floater that he's developed, it is really nasty. He's strong, he's physical, he can score around the rim. The free throw shooting needs some serious work, but I'm sure that that can be corrected or at least hopefully fixed a little bit more so than it's been up to this point, but Anton Watson could conceivably return to Gonzaga next year and play a huge role, a huge role. I'm thinking we're talking 15, 18, maybe even 20 per game. That's that would be a very, very uh, big glow up for Anton Watson. But if he averages 15 ish per game, 16, 17 points per game, seven rebounds, three or four assists. I mean, these numbers are really, really good, really good. And it's not outside the realm of possibility for Anton Watson if he comes back next year and is the focal point of Gonzaga's offense. Anton Watson could make the NBA if he returns to Gonzaga. I firmly believe that. If you go back to the Score Zag Score podcast, which I started two years before I ever hosted a Locked On Zags episode, it was the first episode, first time I put a podcasted about Gonzaga, my eleventh episode ever was titled Anton Watson, Past, Present, and Future. It was during his freshman year. It was right before he suffered that shoulder injury. And I talked about, hey, there is a path for this young man to be an NBA player. For the le- next two years, I kind of thought, okay, that dream is a little bit dead. We haven't seen the offense mature. We haven't seen the outside shooting. He's a decent defensive player and slash good defensive player in his first couple years, but there were some injury issues, uh, and then the offensive game just wasn't there. Now, after seeing what we saw this year – After seeing him have explosive dunks on people, blocking shots, uh, stretching the floor a little bit, the three-point shooting is still not great, but there's a little bit more of it there, some more confidence in it, and knowing that he could return next year without Drew Timmy and being the focal point down low, I think there's an NBA player right there. I really think there is. He's the right size. He's got the right build. He's the right strength. He's a very, very good defensive player. Corey Kispert did it. Other guys have done it. Corey Kispert didn't return for a fifth year, mind you, but players can do that now. And I think Anton Watson could come back, have a really good year, and find himself in the NBA as a fifth year senior. That would be an incredible story for Gonzaga. That would be an incredible story for Anton Watson, a guy who came from Spokane, went to Gonzaga prep, came to Gonzaga as a highly regarded recruit, one of the highest regarded recruits in school history, one of the highest regarded recruits in the state of Washington when he came to Spokane, gets injured. Never really finds his role as a freshman. He, he had a role. It wasn't significantly there. And then we see him step into, you know, he still didn't have a huge role as a sophomore. And then it's expected he's going to have a bigger role. Chet Holmgren comes on board. You have Holmgren. You have Timmy. You don't really see a big role for him kind of materializing there. Comes back this year and steps into a bigger role. And immediately, immediately it's clear that he can play. He finally got his opportunity to play more minutes. He showcased some more offensive skills, some more versatility. And the defense, I mean, his hands, just his hands alone, elite, elite. His ability to knock the ball, to knock the ball away, to put pressure on people, to keep them in front of him, to use his body, to not commit fouls is extraordinary. And that skill is going to help him tremendously in the NBA. I'd be curious to see how he would test. And I think that's an interesting kind of element of this for Anton Watson is, is he going to declare for the NBA? Is he going to go through the process? Is he they're going to do his standing reach, his athleticism? Because if he pops off that way, if his vertical or his side to side movement, his horizontal movement is elite, if his range is elite, if his uh, wingspan is elite, I think teams are all sitting to say, well, hey, hold, okay, hold on, this is a six foot eight guy who has you know above average length, above average jumping ability, above average side to side movement. You know, maybe we take a chance on him this year. Like maybe they start saying, Hey, yeah, you know, we're interested. Maybe we take a flyer on you in the late second or we, we're, we, we priority signee and bring you straight in the summer league. But I think, and I could be wrong, I'm certainly not an NBA scout. Certainly don't have conversations with a lot of NBA scouts. Certainly don't know the exact conversations that they're having with players and prospects. But it stands to reason to me, at least, that there could be a conversation that NBA scouts have with Anton Watson where they are saying, Hey, We believe that if you go back to Gonzaga and you have a bigger role offensively, which is expected with the loss of Drew Timmy, that you could be a guy we would select in the NBA draft next year. I think Anton Watson is very capable of being a 2024 NBA draft pick, much more so than I believe that he will get drafted in the 2023 NBA draft. And I think that he knows that. Anton Watson does not strike me as somebody who is too arrogant, too egotistical to not to to think that oh i can just make it this year i'm just going to go here i think he understands that returning to school could help him Gonzaga has done this before, and I don't know how they convince players necessarily, or if it's just that the players have the IQ, are hearing the right things from scouts, whatever it may be. We don't see a lot of guys make the mistake of leaving early. There are guys, and many of you are screaming names at me right now, and I understand that, and I'm not saying that there are guys who who maybe couldn't have benefited from staying in school a little bit longer, but there are a lot of other schools have a lot of guys who do that, a lot of guys who do that. Gonzaga doesn't have very many guys who do that, and quite in fact, quite honestly, I think there are more players who have made a... Poor decision by staying in school for too long rather than leaving early, and I don't think that's that's a good thing for Gonzaga. It's not necessarily a good thing for some of those players, and particularly Elias, Elias Harris is a guy who comes to mind for me who who probably would have benefited had he left for for the NBA after his first year in Spokane instead of staying for all four years. But I think Watson's going to read the tea leaves here, see the situation, and make the decision to come back to Spokane. And I am. I, will, I don't know if I'm ever going to welcome a player with more open arms than I would if Anton Watson were to return. I think that'd be so fun, so good for him, so good for the Zags. And that's what I want to talk about in the third and final segment. Drew Timmy's gone, but the rest of the front court is pretty wide open. Are we going to have Anton Watson back? Are we going to have Fardaz Amok? Let's take a look at what that might look like, what it might look like without those guys, with Ben Gregg, with Efton Reed. We're going to take a look at all of that right after this. All right, segment three, Stony Patton still locked on Zag. Still talking Gonzaga's front court. We opened the show, talked about Fardaz Emac the transfer from Texas Tech, who had Gonzaga in his top five last year and might strongly consider coming to spokane after leaving texas tech after one season we talked about anton watson and the opportunity for him to potentially return boost his draft stock and put himself in the conversation to be an nba pick in the 2024 nba draft now we're going to take a look at kind of that combination of things as well as how it impacts the rest of the players in the front court the first thing the big question how would dawes Amac and anton watson play together if they're both in spokane They're your starters. I'm guaranteeing you that. With tremendous respect to Ben Gregg, we will talk about him momentarily, and with respect to Efton Reed as well, those two guys would be your starters. I think they'd start alongside Nolan Hickman, they'd start alongside Hunter Salas, they'd start alongside Malachi Smith. If he returns, I still think there's a less than 50% chance that Malachi Smith returns. That's a conversation for another time, but he does have additional eligibility. So he could return if it is not him. Perhaps it is dusty Stromer stepping into a starting role as a freshman. Perhaps Gonzaga finds a transfer to add to, into that starting lineup as well. And then Greg and Reed would reprise their roles as the third and fourth bigs in terms of Anton Watson and, and Farda's Amok playing well together. The outside shooting for Amak is the big question again, from three in his final season at Utah Valley, but he attempted less than two per game. So it's not like he was gunning constantly from beyond the arc. He just stepped out there occasionally and probably at Utah Valley against inferior defenses where he was, you know, one of the best players in that entire conference. He probably had some pretty open looks. It was probably not a lot of contested threes that AMAC was taking at Utah Valley. If he can come to Gonzaga and stretch the floor, being able to pull the defense away, give Anton Watson more room to operate. If we're assuming he's playing kind of the the low part uh, of the offense, give some more passing lanes, give some more driving cutting lanes off of some of those high ball screens that they those side to side screen actions that they like to run. If Amat can stretch the floor, that's really helpful. We've seen what Gonzaga's offense looks like when Ben Greg is in the game. At times, it is almost more smooth because of his ability to play away from the rim. Amac I think needs to be that for it to work with Gonzaga. If he's a low post scorer who clogs the paint and doesn't do a ton else, he's just too similar to Watson. And then defensively, I think he needs to be a rim protector too. the The ideal fit for Gonzaga is a guy who I mean it's it's a Chad Holmgren type who doesn't want that on their team. A guy who can defend the rim and stretch the floor because Anton Watson. He has so many great skills, but neither of those are, are them. Those aren't his skills. He's a, a phenomenal defensive player, and he's developed into a decent rim protector, but he doesn't have the size to be an elite rim protector. That's just not his game. He's, he's better served playing away from the rim defensively because he's really, really good at it. Offensively, I don't think Anton Watson's going to become a great three-point shooter. I don't think that's magically going to happen. I think we've seen him steadily improve, and I think next year there's a chance that when he has open looks, he's going to shoot him, and he's going to knock him down at a decent clip. But I don't think that's going to be a focal point for him offensively. So I think Amac has on paper a potential fit that would go really well with Anton Watson. But we have to see if those stuff is going to work in practice. Did it not work last year because he was injured? Did it not work last year because he was playing at a higher level of competition? Because the difference between those two things is pretty significant. And Zagat doesn't want to bring Amac into the house if he can't do that stuff against high level opponents. Now, I'm of the belief that he probably can, and seeing him average nine rebounds per game in the Big 12, again, gives me a lot of confidence that his size, his physicality is not an issue, and that some of the issues we saw from him last year almost certainly stem from having a significant foot injury that he correctly said usually takes people six to eight months to return from, and he returned much sooner than that, so he probably was not at 100%. What does all this mean for Ben Gregg and Efton Reed? Because there's a chance Anton Watson does not return. There's an even greater chance that all this conversation about Dawes Amac does not matter because he does not come to Gonzaga. This is far, far from a sure thing. So what does it mean for Ben Greg and Efton Reed? Well, if this does happen, if Watson returns and the Zags add a transfer, whether it's AMAC or somebody else, if they add somebody to start at the center position, then Ben Greg and Efton Reed would pretty much reprise their same roles, Ben as the third big, Gre- Reed as the fourth grade, fourth big. Excuse me. Ben Gregg could easily start next year. If the Zags, if if there's if it's one of the other here, if Anton Watson returns and the Zags don't add a transfer, I think Greg could start along t- alongside Anton Watson. And it would be great. I think those two guys can play together really well. I think they lack rim protection in a pretty significant way, and that would be a problem for Gonzaga. But I think Ben's ability to stretch the floor, he's developing as a passer. We still see him makes some mistakes passing the basketball, but I think he's getting better in that regard. Ben and Watson starting together, I'm good with that. If Watson leaves, the Zags add a transfer. Let's say it's AMAC, AMAC and Greg. I think that works. I still think you're lacking a little bit of rim protection, but I think in that situation, you let AMAC go to work down in the paint. He's a low post, high usage scorer, and I think he succeeds in that role. So Ben Greg can fit with just about anybody. He's going to play more minutes next year, even if he's the third big. I think you would see him step into a bigger role. Maybe it's more like 20 to 22 minutes a game, 25, even at certain situations. I think AMAC would be somewhat limited. Uh, maybe they'd kind of ease him into action a little bit. I don't think he's going to play as many minutes as Drew Timmy, which is why I think you would see Ben Gregg step into a bigger role. What does it mean for Efton Reed? Efton Reed probably doesn't want to be the fourth big again next year. I don't blame him. He was a top 25 prospect coming out of high school. He started every game at, UC, at LSU. He only played like 20 minutes a game, but he started every single game there. He came here knowing full well that there was a good chance that Drew Timmy would return to Gonzaga and he wouldn't get a huge role. And I think that's great and honorable and noble of him. But I don't think he expected to sit on the bench for two years. So that's an interesting dynamic here of, of how that would shake out. Maybe Reed can develop into a more of a rim protector and actually play a bigger role, even if there are three other bigs in front of him. Of course, if either Watson or AMAC or another transfer don't end up in Spokane, Reed could easily play into the third big role. I don't think he's going to be a starter. I don't think there's a likely reality where Efton Reed is starting for the Gonzaga Bulldogs next season. If that is the case, I think it's because. Something went wrong, quite honestly. I'm not, I'm not trying to knock Reed. I think he's a great player. I think he's just needs to step into a bigger role, but not that big of a role next year, and then maybe explode the year after that. That's kind of the development plan that I think Efton Reed is on. We've seen Gonzaga do this kind of development with players before, and it makes a lot of sense looking at how raw Reed has been this year, but how tantalizing the tools are. You can see a path to him being much more successful next year, but m- maybe having his explosion, his really big breakout the year after that. And then, of course, there's other players on Gonzaga's roster. There's a lot of bigs buried on the bench, and something's going to have to give here. Something's going to have to change. Caden Perry, he probably didn't have a lot of time left, and this is very unfortunate because he's just hurt, and he's been hurt, and he's only played eight games. And if he's still hurt next year, or if there's not a path for him, I'm not sure that he sticks around. I don't think he's going to transfer. I think he might just be a guy who who kind of just – doesn't play at Gonzaga, which is really unfortunate because he was a really, really highly regarded prospect. Second highest rated prospect in the state of Washington behind Palo Bancaro when he committed to Gonzaga. But the back injury was debilitating. He's had some ankle injuries as well. And I just, I don't know that we're ever going to see him fully get onto the court. The upside is there, but it's hard It's hard to know. Maybe he'll come back fully healthy next year and you're seriously challenged for some playing time, but I'm not holding my breath about that, to be quite honest. And then there's Braden Huff. I don't really know what's going on with Braden Huff. Now, lots of Gonzaga bigs have developed completely behind the scenes and blossomed. So there is very little reason to assume that is not happening with Braden Huff. Braden Huff has spent this entire year going up against Ben Greg, Ben Gregg, Anton Watson, Drew Timmy, Efton Reed in practices. What a better way to get better than to go against those guys to have to figure out how to defend Drew Timmy, to have to try to score on Anton Watson. Like that is really hard. Gonzaga's big man development machine has been working for decades But Braden Huff's probably not going to play next year. There are very few realities where I see him playing a significant role. If Anton Watson leaves, if the Zags don't add a transfer, A, that would be quite surprising if neither of those things happened, or if both those things happened, I should say, excuse me. Then, yeah, maybe there's a playing time situation for him then because Ben Gregg's starting, maybe Afton Reed in that situation is starting. Uh, Maybe the Zags start... A four-guard lineup, maybe one of the freshmen, Alex Tui. perhaps he steps into a starting role as a 3-4 hybrid. Maybe Julian Strother comes back. That seems very unlikely, but I guess it's possible. Regardless, I don't see Braden Huff really stepping into a role. He won't redshirt, so we'll probably see him a little bit next year. Maybe he gets like an Efton Reed-type role if Reed advances from his role. But if if we're talking about Amac Watson, Greg, Reed, there's not a lot of room for Braden Huff. There's not a lot of room for Caden Perry. There's not a lot of room for Alex Tuohy. I think Tuohy plays more of a 3-4 hybrid role, so perhaps he could still squeak out some minutes. He could also redshirt as well uh, as a true freshman from Australia. Uh, There's the Korean kid, Yo. He's also kind of a 3-4 hybrid. He's 21, so I don't think he's going to redshirt next year. I think this year, this half semester being spent uh, on Gonzaga's bench is kind of counting as his quote-unquote redshirt year, so I think he's going to play next year. How much? Very hard to say. Very hard to say. I also don't think he cuts into the big man minutes all that much because I think he's more of a three, but there is the possibility that Gonzaga kind of plays him in a three-four hybrid role. All right, that is going to wrap us up for today. We got more ta- more conversation on Friday. We're going to talk a little bit about the Big 12. We're going to talk about some of the rumors we're hearing about Gonzaga and, of course, the new commissioner for the WCC, Stu Jackson. All that coming your way on Friday before the Big Day Selection Sunday reaction to that and, of course, previewing Gonzaga's first NCAA tournament, way- tournament game all coming your way next week. I'll be back home away from Sin City, where I've been for the last week. Very excited to get back home, get a chance to record from the studio there. Uh, check out the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Find us on YouTube as well. Also go hit that subscribe button on YouTube for Locked On Zags and Locked On College Basketball Podcast. It is very much appreciated. All right. Thank you all for listening. And as always, go Zags.